Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here to today, Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good. Really good. I was at the game. Four mm-hmm. uh, nothing for the Oilers over Vegas in a huge, huge game. Yeah, I, my son Jack is in from town from Victoria, so we went. Oh yeah. And uh, he will vouch for me. He said, "Who do you think is going to win?" I said, "I think the Oilers will win." I did have that sense they were going to win, just because they're the better team, I think, than Vegas right mm-hmm. now. They're the better team, and they, uh, I think, they demonstrated that today. Although <laughs> it could have gone a different direction if not for the play of a certain order who we're going to be getting to right away. Um, Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. We'll do two good things each. Cause it was a big Oilers win for nothing. It was. Did you, did you finish the grade eight shots? Um, uh, you know yeah. Well, I've got them all written down, but I haven't added them up yet. Cause I'm just okay, entering gotcha. the document as we go right now. Okay, but gotcha. uh, I think Edmonton had, uh, had the edge overall. Yeah, but. it was pretty close. But it was fairly close. Yeah, shots on net were 39-36 for uh, Vegas. So not exactly a, you know, it didn't seem to be a lot of room out there. But they sure were getting pucks on net. Yeah. Huge win, Bruce. Huge win. Okay, what is your good thing? Let's just get right at it. Okay. Well, I got to go with uh, netminder Mike Smith, 40-year-old netminder, seventh in NHL history apparently at that age to record back-to-back shutouts. And I bet you, without knowing any of the details, I could probably name you four or five of the others. But uh, anyway, so let's stick to Mike Smith, who I thought had a, had a really solid game. He seemed to be in command of uh, of uh, uh, <clears throat> his own positioning. He, you know, he was strong. He was in good position. He was confident. Uh, his puck handling was uh, solid. Uh, nothing spectacular this game, but what he really did well was cut out uh, a couple of dangerous passes around the net. He picked one off with his stick, another with his glove. Uh, and a third time he poke checked a guy that was trying to work his way out in front after a wraparound. So he put out a couple of fires in different ways other than stopping the puck. And when it came time to actually stop the puck, he faced 39 shots and he stopped them all. So a little, little bit lucky. On uh, one occasion he was trying to feel the long bouncer and it kind of leaked through him and a guy had a swat at a puck in midair that would have been embarrassing but he missed it too it was a hot potato of a puck oh he and, missed that one eh? i couldn't tell yeah it kind of leaked through smith to the side and and one the vegas guy was coming right in on him usually those bouncers the goalies come out like that and there's no one near him but this guy was flying in hard and he had a swat at it and, and uh missed it as well and it wound up being nothing but that was you know when you talk about lucky i mean one shot at the post uh, but otherwise, I just thought Smith was good. I thought he fought for finding the rebounds and uh, froze the puck at the right times and he kept it moving at the right times. And you know, it's hard to uh, to find much of a flaw uh, in that game, which was uh, Oilers' first home shutout in two and a half years. Oddly, their last six shutouts have all come on the road, including one last game. Smith was good. And mm-hmm. and it's been and it's not only that he was good, he he's looked healthy, Bruce, for mm-hmm. the first time, um, you know, in the all year, maybe since the start of the year. I don't even know if he looked that healthy at the start of the year, but he didn't look like one of his legs was about to fall off, you know, between whistles. 
know, he right. wasn't <laughs> stretching it out like, like it was, you know, mm-hmm. it had been shot through with pellet or something. Like he's, he's, he looks like he did last year. Like he's comfortable in the net, confident in the net and um, ready to make some saves. So, you know, we've, you know, we've seen in the past, some of these old goalies, they have good seasons and they have good playoffs. So that's, just, this is what I'm hoping. This is the Ken Holland graybeard strategy. And um, Mike Smith right now is making Ken Holland's patience look fantastic. Um, I have to say, because most, you know, let's face it, more than 90% of Oilers fans just two or three weeks ago were ready to run Smith out of town to Bakersfield. And he has come back and just keeps getting better and better. And, and the last two games have been his best games of the year, obviously. Two shutouts in a row. So... Good for Mike Smith. Um, Bruce, my uh, <clears throat> good thing is going to be Warren Fogle. Mm-hmm. And it, this is partly kind of confirmation bias on my part, perhaps. But um, today I wrote a piece, who are the dark horse candidates to be heroes down the stretch drive and in the playoffs? And my number one candidate that I wrote in the story was Warren Fogle. And, and I said that because uh, according to our Grady scoring chance numbers, you know, how we measure the game and the player's who makes a contribution and who makes a mistake on them. Fogel has actually been performing at a fairly high level all year long. He's not up there. Pulley and Hyman are quite a bit ahead of all the other wingers, but Fogel's the next best winger. And, and according to, you know, according to this one metric, he's performing at a level that's really similar to Yamamoto and Kane at even strength mm-hmm. Evander Kane since Kane got here. So he doesn't, he hasn't been giving much up defensively. He's a solid defensive player. But he also creates a lot on the attack, often by taking that puck hard to the net. And, um, you know, there is kind of a stuff shot quality to a lot of his grade A shots. He's in tight. There's not a lot of room to make a move, but he is in tight and he's slamming it at the goalie. Mm -hmm. And um, actually in in my piece, I didn't look at his career shooting percentage, but this year he's been shooting at, he's got a really low shooting percentage. Yet his shots per game are pretty high. His shots per game are like a second line NHL forward, but his shooting percentage is like a fourth line NHL forward. So he's been getting lots of shots, not a lot of them going in. He's been getting a lot of grade A shots. He's been manufacturing a lot of grade A chances. So for those reasons, I'm thinking like his, you know, Ken Holland said it about yesterday, Pulley the other day. You don't worry about a player when he's getting grade A shots, his luck's going to change. And I, and I saw so in terms of dark horse, forwards who are going to come through the orders, I thought, well, the two best bets here to surprise us, like to be a dark horse, you have to be something of a surprise, right? Connor McDavid can't be the dark horse on the team because he's the horse. Um, But Fogel and Pugliarvi, and and I just thought Fogel, he's at the top of my list, and he had that kind of game today. He was driving all game long, driving hard. He was integral on the first goal. I haven't watched the replay, so I'll, I'll let you describe it in a second. No. But on this, the second where he scored, he just went down the ice. And my my daughter, who was sitting next to me at the game, said, was that Connor McDavid? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how look, good he looked on that rush. He just swooped in there and slammed in the puck. Hell of a play by mm. Warren Fogle. He's, he's a – and the other reason I like him for the playoffs and down the stretch is – He's big, he's fast, he's physical, he's defensively responsible. So all he has to do is get hot, score more than he, on those chances he's been getting, and he's suddenly going to look a lot better to everybody. And I think that's how he's starting to look right now. Sure, looking a lot better to me, Dave, and it's hardly just today. I'd say the last three, four weeks, 
Yeah. He's been catching my eye just about every game. <clears throat> he's so aggressive on the puck, and he's winning so many puck battles. And he's doing it in the offensive zone, but he's also doing it in the defensive zone and making mostly responsible plays. Every once in a while, he messes up, but, you know, he's... Uh, uh, you know, he's kind of a simple straight ahead player in a sense, like he's not often going to going to beat you with guile, but boy, uh, he'll beat you with effort and with physicality, uh, which he's starting to show more of. And sometimes it's hitting, but just sometimes it's just winning a puck battle and going in there and being strong on the puck and coming away with it. And on the first goal, we saw a little bit of both. Uh, he, way down in the uh, offensive corner, there was a puck that was up for grabs and Fogel knocked some Vegas guy on his butt and came away with the puck. And the first chance didn't materialize, but then there was a little bit of a weak clearing play and, and Fogel was able to keep it in at the blue line. Uh, and he made the pass to uh, uh, Ryan McLeod and he caught McLeod high in the slot, kind of in a two-on-one situation. Then McLeod passed off to Cassian at the side of the net and he held the puck, and he held the puck a little more, and then he held it a little longer than that, while everybody in the place sounded like was going, shoot! And then he didn't shoot, but in fact, he, he after his chance to shoot was gone, Cassian recovered nicely by making a good secondary play of passing back to Chris Russell, who snuck in and did shoot and score. And that was the one nothing game-winning goal. So no point for Fogel. I mean, officially, it's uh, Russell from Cassian and McLeod, uh, but you can bet there's four guys named in our uh, uh, scoring chance uh, summary, and Warren Fogel is one of those guys because he uh, he he made the big play, actually two different ones, to uh, establish that possession and then to keep it in and and uh, make a good pass to uh, set up the chance. Bruce, what is your second good thing? Yeah, my second good thing is I'm just going to go with the foot, foot soldiers, of which Warren Fogel is a shining example, but far from the only one. This was a game where the Oilers got zero points from Connor McDavid, zero points from Leon Dreisaitl, and relatively uh, uh, little that's, you know, they weren't dominating the game offensively. I thought both guys were fine, had a strong defensive games, both of them. But uh, their lines weren't... Uh, uh, weren't making a huge amount happen offensively. And yet in there, the Oilers found enough scoring to score four goals. Chris Russell, Cody Cece, two defensemen scoring. Uh, then Fogel on that beautiful unassisted play where he, where he picked off the pass inside his own blue line and just beat everybody with speed, including the goalie, on the deke. And then finally, hey, look at uh, the last goal is now formally credited to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Oh, yeah. Derek Ryan, look at that. No Kane. Uh, no Kane. Originally, they thought Kane had banged in, but Nuge just kind of lobbed one into the goalie, and he had all kinds of trouble with it. Nuge made a real nice rush and uh, uh, just shot it in like in tight to the net. And uh, the Vegas uh, goaltender, Logan Thompson, was uh, unable to contain it. And then eventually the puck went into and out the back of the net because the net got tipped up. There was a little bit of traffic there. Kane was responsible for that. And a shorthanded goal, Edmonton's uh, 11th, I think they said, of the season. And they also said in the last 12 games, Edmonton's penalty kill has scored three goals and given up two. How's that? When your, when your that? penalty kill is outscoring the other teams, over a stretch of games of that length. And they had a very good game today, killing off three for three. 
and uh, creating a couple chances and eventually, you know, getting that. It was kind of a sleazy goal, but they got it by hard work. And really, I thought up and down the lineup, the third and not even the fourth line, but the bottom five forwards, I thought for the most part, they uh, they all played really well. And, and uh, uh, Coach Woodcroft did a good job of getting them all in and active in the game. Everyone over uh, 10 minutes except Brian McLeod, who played 8.50. And, you know, that was uh, that was a solid uh, team effort. So kudos to the whole team. That's my other good thing. I'm going to go with um, the veteran defenseman. I, uh, it was interesting to be, I was sitting high in the corner, which mm-hmm. is my favorite place to watch an Oilers game from. Yeah. Because you can really see the positional play of the players. Yep and um, get a sense of that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And um, very rarely was an order defenseman out of position in this game. Um, there was a few instances where it happened, <clears throat> but by and large, oh, cover. yeah, by and large, they did a very good job. And I thought um, two, a couple players stood out in this, you know, there's Chris Russell, who's always in defensive position, mm-hmm. but um, Cody Cece, uh I just thought played a, just such a sound game on defense. He's just, you know, I know he had a, the reputation of being kind of a runaround guy in Ottawa, maybe even Toronto, certainly in major junior hockey. But, man, he's just made, he just has settled down and is playing such steady, smart hockey. He scored a fantastic goal there. I mean, that, and that was a total eclipse of the sunscreen by Yessa Pugliarvi on that one. So fantastic play by Yessa. But a great shot from a player... Initially, I did, too. I don't know. Maybe he did. No, the other guy did um, for McNabb, was it, that was trying to deal with Paul Yarvey, and he was trying to lift his stick, and it hit the shaft of McNabb's stick and went Uh, down and in, so it worked out well. There you go. Yeah. So, CeCe was in position all game long. He really was, Mm -hmm. and he's just, and I think that's, that is his game. He's Mm -hmm. not the biggest guy, the fastest guy, the most skilled guy, but he's, he's, he's kind of big, fast, and skilled. But his positional oh. game is exceptional at this point. Mm-hmm. And this is this is turning out to be a, an exceptional, at this point, t- top-pairing mm-hmm. defenseman who's getting the job done, generally speaking, an exceptional value contract from the Edmonton Oilers, for the Edmonton Oilers, for Ken Holland and the Oilers. I also thought that um, Duncan Keith had a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. He... Um, he is still, and what what impressed me, Bruce, was how fast that guy is at his age, getting around the ice. I don't know, what is he, 39 now? Flying around the ice like he does. Always been a great skater. He, it is really impressive to see the physical condition of him, that he can still keep up. And it's very encouraging because the Oilers have all these guys, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, Nurse now, who are in their 20s but are signed into their mid-30s. And having Keith there as an example... Mm-hmm. Uh, how to stay in shape, how to stay fit, um, how to probably eat right, how to do everything right to be properly dedicated to maintain your game. That might go a long way. And some of these other players, they're already figuring out. I mean, all of these players have, you know, have fantastic training regimens, regimen, but not every player does last as long as Duncan Keith. And it's probably because his level He's way higher than everyone else at the he's start. Coming he's coming down. From defenseman. A, yeah. So he's, he, everyone drops 20%. When an average player drops 20%, this is an old Bill James thing. When an average yes. player drops 20%, he's out. When a superstar drops 20%, well, he can hang on for five more years. So this is, that's part mm-hmm. of what's happening with Keith. But I, no. I think um, 
that's what got me was he, he is he is a water bug out there skittering all over the ice and he can be overpowered he um in, in plays we've seen that in the past he and bouchard can make bad decisions we've seen that in the past but not this game i thought they were bo- both really good and um and keith especially played a sharp game uh, was moving the puck well he was really off his game um against the wild Tuesday. he had a terrible, yeah, terrible game. In that game that happens to players mm-hmm. yep. happens to defensemen happens to the you, you make a mistake and then you make you know you you i think even though he's a hall of famer at his age i think any player can get a little rattled so, and then when you have a big four checking team who's really on its game it compounds and that's what happened against the wild on tuesday but since then he's played two really solid games in a row so um that's very encouraging. So that's my second good thing is is the play of these these uh, veterans, CC, a much younger veteran, and Duncan Keith, and Darnell Nurse, who I thought was also really strong and solid in this game. Mm-hmm. So good to see. We need the orders. Yeah. The Edmonton Oilers need that. Yeah, I had only one bone to pick with Duncan Keith's game to get today, and it came in the last five seconds of the second period, when it seemed like. The period was going to run out with Oilers leading one nothing, and Nashville was starting from their own end with 10 seconds left. And Bouchard got beat in the neutral zone, and the puck went into the corner, and Keith started to go into the corner, and then he stopped, and he was in no man's land, neither on the puck nor on anybody coming up the slot. And sure enough, the pass into the slot. Dreisaitl hauls ass all the way back, lifts the guy's stick with one second left on the clock and, and no shot. That would have been a devastating goal to allow. And it was a little bit just carelessness, I thought, by the two. They just didn't, they, they thought there was less time on the clock than there was maybe. But that's uh, picking one bone out of what was a, a fairly solid overall body body work. Seven block shots for uh, for Duncan Keith in this wow. game. And uh, uh, he was... Uh, uh, I say his uh, skating's good, and he and he and he puck doesn't stay on his stick long, eh? Does not. He he reads the play so well and moves the puck quickly. He's he's an, he's an exceptional passer still. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Yeah, I'm going to single out one play, and it wasn't even a play because nothing really happened. They were there was six minutes to go in the third period. Oilers comfortably in front, three nothing, lining up for a faceoff in the neutral zone. I think it was like fourth line against fourth line. I mean, it was Zach Cassian against Keegan Colasar. So, I mean, we're not exactly talking about the uh, top scorers on either team. And they started talking on the face-off circle. And Cassian off the face-off circle with Edmonton basically just needing to play smart hockey down the stretch. Don't do anything dumb. Don't take a dumb penalty. Well, Cassian brought a stick up once. He brought it up twice. He brought it up a third time. The third time he smashed Colasar in the face and took a high sticking penalty. Like, what is that? You know, I mean, they didn't score on the power play, but if they do, you know, now there's like five and a half minutes left and it's three yeah. and one, you know, and yeah. I mean, just don't do stupid stuff like that. And I mean, I'm not saying he's a stupid guy or player, but that was a dumb play. Well, he's and, now playing before the full house, Bruce, so he's fired up. <laughs> yeah, well, and he had, you know, and he had a really good game. Like, I'm not going to give him a failing grade or anything, but he's going to get docked a full point for that because that was just careless and, and uh, uh, not very um, team oriented. Yeah, I agree. Like that, he had a little little issue with with Colasar. Hit the guy, you know. Yeah. Rub him out along the boards, you know. You'll get your Bad shot. game management. I agree. Bad game management, and uh, there's no other way around it. I was thinking, I was looking for bad. I was thinking, okay, what is my bad thing going to be? Because it was kind of hard. So I, there was three things in the running. There was that play. There was Kane not scoring because it deprived mainly because it oh. deprived McDavid of a point. 
uh, in this now tight scoring race with Jonathan Huberto. McDavid's only mm-hmm. two points ahead. Uh, last time I checked, two games in hand. Yeah. So, uh, so there was that. But then the, the thing I arrived at is the, the, my bad thing is the fans, and 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 including me. This is including me. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there in the in the arena. Cassian gets this pass from Ryan McLeod, and he gets it. Everyone's yelling, "Shoot, shoot!" And you've described the play already. Shoot, shoot. he doesn't shoot. Mm-hmm. He doesn't shoot. Instead, he passes it back to Russell for a beautiful goal, like just a fantastic play. And it just it just got me thinking. If he hadn't made that nice play, we would have been all over that guy. You know, we would, you know, we would have been, he, 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 we wouldn't have heard the end. Of, he wouldn't have heard the end of it, all, you know, for the, till the next game, right? People were like, what was Cassian thinking? What was he doing on that play? Well, maybe he was thinking he didn't have a great shot. Like he could slam it at the net, which isn't, you know, as we know, it's never a terrible idea to slam mm-hmm. it at the net. Good things can happen, as Ryan Nugent Hopkins found out when he lobbed the puck at net on the shorthanded play. Nonetheless, um, I, I do think I do think we're not the fans aren't always right. We weren't right about Mike Smith three weeks ago um, mm-hmm. when we wanted to run him out of town, and we were you know all of us yelling shoot at the arena tonight. We were dead wrong. We couldn't have been more wrong. Well, in theory, I guess he could have shot and scored. Then we would have been proven right. But um, sometimes the players know best. Sometimes the guys on the ice have a clue and it's good for us to be humble and know that. And, and to remember when we get it wrong, you know, collectively, especially when it's just about everybody watching on TV and at the rink <laughs> yelling, shoot. Um, sometimes the players can figure it out and they get it right. So. Well, if he shot when the fans told him to shoot, he would have scored, right? There you but go. He, he, I thought he kind of froze and then he made a great recovery. Like once, once he, once he didn't pull the trigger, the right play was then to feed it to someone in a different position, and he did that nicely. And uh, Chris Russell came up and uh, yeah. uh, ju- saw the, you know, saw the chaos and jumped into the slot and made the shot. So great so. to see Chris Russell score. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cassian was sure happy about that. Yeah. Chris, what is your number? Well, my number does have something to do with uh, Chris Russell. Uh, my number is one thousand one hundred twenty-six. That was the number of days since the last time Chris Russell scored a goal in the NHL. It was March 17th, 2019. It was against the Vegas Golden Knights, and it was in Vegas, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. I was there. Uh, my wife, Anne and I uh, attended that game on the Air Canada fan flight, uh, so got the great opportunity to go on the road, and Crusty uh, scored in the early in the third period to cut the Vegas lead to 4-3 in a game that uh, home team would ultimately win 6-3. Uh, but just off a, a shot through traffic off the boards that time. Uh, and it's been a long, long, long three entire seasons. Of course, none of them have been complete seasons. And Russell himself doesn't play all the games because uh, he gets nicked here and there. And the last couple of years, of course, he's been on the cusp of 6-7 defenseman but he plays his games he gets his chances and today he converted one and if his career is winding down which i'm starting to get the feeling he played his 900th game this year and i'd be surprised if he gets to 1000 to tell the truth but uh, he uh, uh he may be able to hang hang around for a while but you know you can see the end from here and it's nice that he's not going out with like three zero goal seasons in a row, like he actually scored, and it wasn't just a goal; it was a winning goal and a hugely significant 
uh, game against an arch rival uh, late in the regular season. So, you know, it was a, uh, uh, it wasn't just like the last goal he scored in a losing effort. This was uh, uh, the game winner. So good on you, Chris Russell. Graybeard's coming through, Bruce. <laughs> All right. My number is, and this is another Graybeard statistic. It's mm-hmm. 0.911, 0.911. And this is Mike Smith's current save percentage um, after 25 games. This is a miracle. Like, this is, <laughs> this is a miracle. Okay. This is a miracle. Uh, he was hanging out at what eight ninety all year, like or in in that territory. He was like when you looked at the goalies who had played, you know, more than ten games in the NHL. He was like fifty, you know, fifty eight out of sixty six all year long. Bruce, he's now in terms of goalies who played more than 20, 20, 20 games. He's now twenty first overall with this nine eleven save percentage. This is an wow. astonishing run of play for Mike Smith. I don't know if on Hockey Reference I can. Um, no, they haven't updated yet, so we can't uh, can't give no, you the what, what it is what his save percentage is on that run. But again, um, you know, going into the year, I was thinking they got Smith, they got Koskinen. You know, Koskinen's had a good year, 2019-20. Smith had a good year, 2020-2021. Between those two goalies, one of them is going to have a good year. I thought so. We're, the Oilers are going to be okay in net. Was my thinking. It really wasn't the case. It never felt okay it's starting to feel okay because they have, I think a clear starting goalie in Smith and they have a, 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 a solid backup to him and Mikko Koskinen. And, um, you know, Smith's puck handling when you're, and again, I don't know what it's like on TV, but when I was there today, like it is exceptional how he controls the game with that puck handling, going behind the net, calmly making plays and uh, igniting the Oilers attack that way. And then when he's also, Making saves in net, looking healthy, looking good, looking confident. Um, he fires up the team. He fires up the fans. I, I like my daughter who doesn't watch Oilers games. Um, she's a hockey player, but she doesn't watch hockey. I, at the end of the game, I said, "Who's your favorite player?" Well, Mike Smith. He got a new. He got a new fan today, and he's earning it. It's. It is. It is a remarkable story. It is the comeback of the season within the season because he looked like he was done he looked like he was done and now he's you know he's tied save percentage with jack campbell capo the you know capo cockinen who everyone was cackinen who everyone was mad the orders in yet he's tied with connor hellebuck he bruce he is ahead of mark andre Fleury at 910 save percentage he mm-hmm. is sergey bobrovsky of the you know the the what is he? A hundred million dollars a year goaltender for the Florida Panthers. He, but yeah. he's at, he is at nine twelve. So this is, you know, this is, and if you went just in the last month, Smith would be in the top five goalies in the league. Oh yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, in, so in his last five games, April third to today, so that's under two weeks, uh, five and zero. Oh, uh, with like a 0.80 goals against average, four goals against and five full games with even a tiny bit of overtime in there. And a 9.76 save percentage over five games. <laughs> that's what pumped up. And that's five out of 25 games, right? So it's really yeah. kind of brought a save percentage from 8.90-something all the way up over 9.10. So it's, he's been... Uh, He's been red hot, and he's been sticking it to the critics, like uh, 
like you in particular said a couple times during the season, you really hoped that he'd get around to doing it at some point. But it sure <laughs> seemed to be taking its sweet time. But here we are in April, and he's sticking it to the, the critics. So uh, I guess all we critics can say is nice turnaround, Mike. We weren't sure it was going to happen this time, but uh, he's uh, he's got it going on at the moment. Now the question is how long can he carry it on? Well, um, here... Here I have to give credit to the fans, Bruce. I I was mentioning that to my son that we had done this poll a few weeks ago, and they're like 94% wanted to send him to Bakersfield. And he said, "Well, that's probably what fired Mike Smith up," and I'm guessing that's probably true. So oh, you got to no. hand it to the cult of hockey fans who oh, took there that you poll. Go. Yes, absolutely. They gave they fueled that that fire. They you mm-hmm. know they they um they were the um yeah the fuel rod that that got that nuclear reactor going, and it's going. It's 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 uh it's it's going well bruce i gotta head out i gotta uh, spend time with your boy yeah exactly so i appreciate you uh rushing through this a little bit and uh i want to thanks for talking tonight all right thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast